Guys, welcome back to Outside the Numbers. You're here with Sonny Nagra and my co-host, Nick Tomek, and we have a very special guest today, our tax partner, Mr. Brett Lemke-Evans. Mr. Brett. So <laughs> we're going to not try to make this boring today. We do have this topic called personal taxes we want to discuss with everyone. It's all the buzz in our office. But we want to make this fun, and we're going to try to go through some things that, um, you know, most common asked questions by people regarding personal taxes and some special circumstances that we think are relevant to this tax uh, reporting year. Yeah. But I want Nick to kind of tell us about the history of income taxes in Canada because I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's it's a funny little story actually. Um, so basically, it was 1913. First World War was just kicking off, and the government was absolutely burning through cash. So they needed to make money somehow. So they introduced something, and luckily, it was just a temporary measure. Um, <laughs> and in 1917, they came out with the. Income War Tax Act, right? Like I said, just something temporary um, to generate some revenue for the government. Wasn't supposed to stick around forever. Uh, shortly after that, it was Great Depression. Government needed money even more, so they increased the tax rates, right? Um, at the time, all of those rules could have been found in 44 short pages. Light reading, especially for uh, somebody like Mr. Brett over there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we find ourselves 100 years later. A lot later, more now. <laughs> 100 years later, uh, it's now called the Income Tax Act. It's a lot bigger, the pages. Uh, the font's a lot smaller. And it's about 2,600 pages front to back. Um, so, you know, they, they definitely closed some loopholes um, because it was pesky people like Brett and uh, some of his team members over there that were trying to get around <laughs> those rules. So they've they've tried their best to close all those loopholes. Um, and yeah, that's where we are today. So right? before Netflix, Amazon Prime, the government figured out the subscription model way before. Way that. before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Thanks for that. And so we're going to uh, talk to Brett here a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, what do you need to bring to your accountants during personal tax season and how can you make their your fees smaller by preparing and... All that fun stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'd like, like, normally what you want to do is try to keep things very, you know, straightforward. Keep it all, uh, have a summary of everything. I don't want to see receipts. Receipts are the worst because then we have to go around, we have to calculate everything. We have to find out what is not business, what is not employment. So, the biggest thing is, you know, Try to summarize everything, keep it in folders. I thought you see a lot of people are under the impression that. Accountants appreciate it when you bring in a shoebox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they sometimes think we send it to the CRA and they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. say, oh, I thought we sent that to them. No, yeah. no, no. So please not don't give the receipts. Uh, a summary of everything would be fantastic. Um, and then, you know, your donations, your tuition slips and stuff like that. And yeah, your, you all your tea slips. If you have a business or a side hustle, um, you know what? Open up a separate bank account. Keep everything separate. Have a separate credit card, yep. so it's easier for you. It's easier for the professionals uh, to basically yep. figure out 100%. how much you owe at the end of the year. Yeah, because if you have three hundred trips to Tim Hortons because you go every day, uh, well, we don't know when it's just you going for yourself or it's you yeah. going for your work crew, right? Yeah. So if if you have a separate account, separate credit card, or separate bank account yeah. for work, then we know that two hundred of those are for work. Yeah. Or I recommend getting a gift card. Yeah, <laughs> there's not yeah. 300 transactions. Well, hey, right? it, it, that's this is very simple way. It's just to get set up a separate business account, and then it's all separated. You don't have to 
you know, what is business, what's not. You have it all separated, and it's just a matter of summarizing it. Yeah, yeah. No, great awesome, idea. Awesome, guys. So let's get into some common questions that people have. Uh, a, a really good one is, should I contribute to my RRSPs? What is an RRSP? So can you guys tackle that for me? Well, okay. So before we get into that, I'll go over the dates, right? So this oh, yeah. is important. That's very important. We're approaching the end of February right now, so... Uh, there's a few more days for any uh, last-minute stragglers that want to contribute to their RSPs. The deadline is always 60 days after uh, the year. So for 2022 or 2021, you have to contribute by March 1st. So make sure you make those contributions if you're planning on doing that. Uh, while we're on the topic, some other deadlines are personal tax returns are due on April 30th. Now, if you do have self-employment income, so if you have a business or you're a real estate agent, something like that, you have until June 15th. Now, yeah. that being said, you still have to pay by April 30th. So yeah, we usually like to have them all ready by April 30th. That way, you know how much you have to pay, of course. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This yeah. episode is sponsored by the CRA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, let's talk about uh, RSPs now. Yeah. So, I mean, what I, what I typically tell people <laughs> is that uh, RSPs, it's the best time to contribute when you're earning the highest income that you're going to earn in your life, right? So you almost have to project out, it's kind of weird, you have to project out what your anticipated earnings are going to be, you know, in the coming years. And is it going to be higher in the coming years? Is it going to push you into the next tax bracket? Or is it okay to, you know, make a contribution now? You get 18% of your income as an RSP uh, contribution room. Um, so I often say, you know what, if, if you don't really know, um, and you're kind of getting up there in age, Maybe it makes sense to, you know, contribute around 18%, 20% of, of your income. So if you're in 100,000, 20,000, you know. So Nick, yeah. if you have like large capital gains. Yeah, that's a big, big tax. Yeah. So this is what I usually say. Um, if people have uh, like a ton of RSP contribution room, uh, say they've been working for the last 20 years and they're getting $20,000 of room every year. They've got like, well, maybe not that much, but they've got like probably $200,000, $250,000 of RSP room, right? So say they bought a house a number of years ago, they sold it now, they cashed in on this boom in real estate. Well, they're going to have a huge capital gain, right? So uh, a good planning technique is, because people are calling all the time saying like, Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. My my mom sold their house and she bought it for two hundred thousand and she sold it for one point two. Right? That's a million dollar gain. Mm -hmm. So five hundred thousand of that's taxable. Well, if you put two hundred thousand dollars into an RSP, you just saved yourself one hundred five thousand dollars. Right? So yeah. it, it's kind of nice to save that room for years that you have a huge gain. Yeah. Yeah, and not even real estate. Like you know, let's say you had you're one of those that bought GameStop and uh, you know it yeah. went through the roof and you had a you have a $200,000 capital gain. It was like, oh, what are you going to do? Hopefully it was in a TFSA. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you can, you know, contribute to RSP and reduce that. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's great. And I do want to mention that RSPs can be, um, you know, put into a self-direct RSP or it can be managed by some f uh, financial professions, professionals. So you can basically manage your own money if you want, or you could also let the professionals manage it. It's up to you. Uh, moving on, uh, what about deductions? Uh, just let's go through some, you know, some basic deductions that people can deduct on their uh, taxes. So, Brett, yeah, why don't you let, tell us some like yeah. employment? How about let's start first with like employment deductions, right? So, if I let's say I have a job where I have to travel for work, um, but I'm getting a T four at the end of the year. Yeah, so I mean, 
again, I like to break things down to make it very simple for everyone, right? So when you're looking at deductions, think of what you've spent that relates to either employment in this case or business and and what you can deduct, right? So if if you're spending money on something that's related to employment, you're, you're, you're spending money on gas for your vehicle and you're driving to clients, well, you can deduct that, right? So it, you know, the biggest things um, I see are vehicle expenses, cell phone expenses, and home office. Yeah. Especially now with COVID and everything, home office is a big one. So the one thing I want to mention, you say vehicle expenses. So a lot of people think that means, oh, well, I drive to work every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's a misconception yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, everyone drives to work every day. So they say you, that's not considered employment use. But if you're using it, for employment, you're driving to job sites, you're driving to clients, you know, you can claim claim that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So guys, what if one of your clients called you today and said, I had a stellar year. I have this one question for you. How can I pay less tax? Yeah, so it, it, it really depends on, you know, how much how much income you're earning. Um, and, you know, apart from our, this, you know, stuff we already talked about, RSPs, claim deductions, you know, maybe it makes sense if you're a business owner to look to incorporate, right? It depends on how much income you're earning. I typically say if if you're earning $100,000 in business income, it, it's definitely something you should consider. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that that's, you know, a big a big way to, to save taxes because in a corporation, you're taxing, tax at, you know, 12% versus Personally, your your tax at from anywhere from twenty to fifty percent, right? Yeah, I think it goes back to what kind of income you have too. Um, so you have to look at the source of the income. If it's a lot of investment income, you know, dividends and capital gains on trading activities, then you might want to hold those in a TFSA, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a way to save tax. Absolutely. If it's rental income, well, maybe you incorporate a company, right? Mm-hmm. We can do some tax planning there. If it's business income, like Brett said, well. Look at setting up a corporation to run your business. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's employment income, you're getting a T4 slip. Your hands are tied for the most part, but there might be some things you can do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, give us a call. If you have any, if you're looking to, you know, you're, you're getting up there in your, your tax bracket. And you're, Is there any way I can, you know, save money on this? You know, give us a call. Awesome, guys. I do want to <laughs> jump into some special circumstances. Uh, from April 2020 to... Now we've seen some massive uh, real estate appreciation and some people are trying to, you know, sell their properties at the top and they have sold them in 2021. So we're going to talk about some of these situations and um, what are the tax consequences and what um, the Canadians can do to uh, lower their taxes. So let's start off with uh, assignment sales, Nick. Yeah, so that's a that's a big one. I've had a few people already reach out to me and... They've, some of them reached out before it's happened and some of it after the fact, right? After the fact, it's a little <laughs> bit harder to plan for. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I think a lot of people don't understand this and uh, that's a little bit concerning, okay? So I don't want to scare you guys at home right now, um, but those assignment sales, um, let's say you bought a house or a condo and at the time it was $300,000, you put down a deposit. Now it's gone up to $500,000. So you sell your assignment, uh, your deposit essentially, for $200,000 more than what your deposit was. Well, that $200,000 gain is in fact taxable, okay? 
in most circumstances, it's 100% taxable. Um, and that's not it. Aside from just having to pay income tax on that amount, there's also potential that you'll have to pay HST. Okay, so yeah, let's go back crazy. to our... Yeah, it's it's a yeah. scary situation to be in. And I think if a lot of people knew the consequences, they either wouldn't have gone down that route or they would have closed on it and kept it as a rental property. Yeah, right? or even a principal residence, right? Like it, maybe if you lived there for you know a year, uh, you could have took advantage of the principal yeah, residence. Yeah, it depends too, right? If yeah. that's your intention. If it's a family of six and it's a one-bedroom yeah. condo in Toronto, right. your hands are you're not going to live there, right? Yeah. So if you had that $200,000 gain on that assignment sale. Well, first you got to back out the HST on that. Okay. So that's 23,000 bucks. You got to cut a check to the government for $23,000 of HST. That's the first thing. Then you have the actual income tax you have to pay. So let's say you're making 80 grand a year. Well, then that $177,000 that's left over, that gets added to your income. Okay. So now you have an extra 82, $83,000 of income tax you're paying. Okay, so in total, you have twenty three thousand bucks of HST, eighty two thousand dollars of income tax. So it's one hundred and five thousand dollars that you have to write a check to the That's government crazy. for. Holy cow! On that two hundred thousand dollars, right? So a lot of people find that out, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, if I knew, I would have just kept the property, right? Yeah. Rented it out for a couple of years, and then in the future sold it." Yeah, and a lot of times people, you know, use that money. Right, they yeah. they get it and they use they it. Buy another property. They buy another property and then all of a sudden, cottage. oh, a hundred grand in tax. What? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have uh, a lot of people who have held rental properties for a number of years, and now they're selling these rental properties, maybe to you know help their children out to buy their principal residence or whatever the situation may be. So, what are the tax consequences on selling these rental properties that uh, people have, and how can they plan? to reduce the taxes on these large capital gains. Yeah, so, you know, generally speaking, when you you have a rental property, you're almost always looking at uh, a capital gain, um, which is essentially, you know, your proceeds less your cost base of the property, what you paid for it, uh, minus any other deductions. Um, and you're going to pay 50% on that gain, right? Now... So you pay 50% of it? So on the gain, you pay fifty. You pay sorry, you pay tax on fifty percent of the gain. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so, so safe the gain is. So let's dollars. say the let's say you bought you bought the property for two hundred thousand. It goes up to five hundred thousand. You sell it for five hundred thousand. Right. There's a three hundred thousand dollar gain. Half of it is taxable. One hundred fifty thousand, and then you you would pay tax on that. Now a good way to kind of reduce your tax burden is something we already talked about. RSPs, right? So if you could, if you have RSP room and you have this big gain in the year, well, it's an absolute perfect time to use that RSP and reduce your taxable income for that year. Yeah, awesome. On the other hand, there have been people that may have not had these stellar years, right? Some of them have accumulated losses from uh, maybe real estate or losses from uh, the, 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 the stock market. Can they use their losses for the future years? Capital losses, you mean? Yeah, capital losses. Yeah, so capital losses, uh, you can only use them against capital gains, right? Um, That's, you know, something people always don't realize. But um, the good thing about the capital losses is they get carried forward forever. So you can carry them forward forever. So they can use them. Yeah, you can use them in the future against future capital gains. That's good. And the other thing, too, that's interesting, um, which a lot of people don't really talk about, but... Say there's an, uh, a couple and one of the spouses pass away. 
Well, their whatever that one spouse owns, it gets automatically transferred to the other spouse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let's say that that surviving spouse decides to sell the rental property. They get that entire gain, right? Yeah. Whereas if they would have sold it while there was two spouses alive, you would have split the game gain, and you would have taken advantage of you know two marginal tax uh, tax yeah. brackets, right? Yeah. So that's another big thing um, yeah. that a lot of people just want to hold, 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 hold. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's 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 smart to take advantage of selling while everyone's still alive. Yeah, with real estate, I think there comes a lot of planning opportunities. So if you're looking to build a real estate portfolio of some sort, uh, please talk to a, talk, a tax professional that may be, may be able to help you structuring how you should be holding uh, these real estate holdings. Maybe even if uh, you know, you're doing it through with partners or um, of some sort, you could uh, you know, do a joint venture. So please talk to a professional if you ever need to set up a real estate portfolio for you and your team. Yeah. So let's get into a little bit of fun now, guys. Um, I do want to ask you guys some questions. You're going to tell me if the item is deductible or not, okay? So right. some expenses that you might have seen on personal tax returns, okay? So first one, dog food. Deductible, no. <laughs> uh, it depends. It depends. It depends. So if you have like a like – like if you have like farm animals and you're, you know – or if you have a – let's say it's a cat. And it's used at the farm. It's a farm cat. Well, uh, or I think it's called field cats. Um, <laughs> so you can you can deduct the food. I'm going to start getting cat food them, for, right? from clients uh, now. <laughs> because it, it helps your business of farming. So it's deductible there. Say you have a uh, like a scrapyard and you've got a guard dog. And you need to feed that guard dog some sort of crazy raw food diet. Well, then you know what? You can, you can deduct it. Yeah. If yeah. it's for... Uh, uh, you know, but what if my dog, my, my guard dog's a poodle? Well, it depends, man. Some some poodles are pretty big and scary, right? No, no. If it's yeah, if you'd it's be surprised too how many people like bring in their receipts for dog food. Oh yeah, like yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know why. How about if it's a uh, an emotional support dog? Yeah, is that a medical expense, Brett? Ah, uh, probably not. I'd have to look at it. <laughs> Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. What if I have a child and, you know, this kid's amazing at hockey and I think he's going to the show, so can I deduct the hockey equipment? No. <laughs> um, if he's like, if he went to the show, maybe. <laughs> if you yeah, no. That like the answer is no. Um I could see I it'd be fun. It's a fun conversation for a bar or something like that. Yeah. Um trying to figure out how you would deduct it, but the answer is the answer is no. But you, you can make a case for it. <laughs> Haircuts, haircuts. Uh, You always get that from a real estate agent. Haircuts. Well, they have to look good. Yeah, yeah. Typically not deductible. You could try. (laughs) We always try. Yeah, we always try. What's the craziest thing you guys have ever seen on a on a tax return? Trying trying to be deducted. I think last year I saw a lot of Pelotons. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to see like uh, receipts from shoppers because they thought it was medical. So just because it's a shopper's drug mart, they put throw chips and crackers and everything, whatever yeah. they had there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, okay. That, that was, that's good. But before we do go, I do want to kind of touch on a couple more like key points because a lot of people are probably listening to this um, because it's, you know, we're getting 
into that March, April uh, time of the year where it's tax season. So they do want to probably um, just be reminded of what to bring in. Brett did mention that uh, make sure that you bring in your documents in some sort of an organized fashion. So if you're if you're at home, you're wondering, oh, I forgot what I need to bring in. Well, um, like what we do every year is we send out a list to our clients. Like this is a checklist of everything that you need to bring in. Um, but if you don't have that, things that you need to bring in are all your T-slips. So that's your T-4s, T-5s, T-3s, T-5008s. Any sort of slip that you get from the government that you think might have to do with taxes, bring it in. Um, if you have any sort of donations, make sure you bring those in, donation slips. If you have employment expenses, make sure you summarize the list of those. If you have medical expenses, first thing to do is to calculate how much medical expenses. <laughs> Can we talk about these medical expenses? <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's a misconception with um, across all of Canada is that ev- no matter what you have in terms of medical expenses, you get to deduct it. Yeah. But um, the truth of the matter is that there's a threshold. So you need to have at least a certain amount before you get a cent of a value, okay? So I think it's something like 3% of your income is what your threshold is, and then obviously it gets capped at a certain point. Uh, So if you have $50,000 of income, you need to have at least $1,500 worth of expenses. I I think that's what it is. Before you get anything. Before you get anything. (laughs) Yeah. it, and you have people coming in with $400 of expenses and they made 40 grand. And yeah, I'm like, exactly. Right. So <laughs> it's important to kind of go through those and see whether or not it's even worth your time of adding up those yeah, prescription stubs um, before you bring all those in. Right. So that that's important. Yeah. So that's in terms of what to bring in. I think that pretty much covers it. Everyone's circumstance is so different. If you've got rental income, figure out how much your income was from that rental property. Figure out what expenses you had. Business income, same thing. Um, if you have any questions, call your accountant and ask what they need. Don't yeah. just bring in everything, uh, everything <laughs> the in your house, the right? Best. Yeah. As much as Brett loves those shoe boxes, don't bring it in. Um, and yeah, that's it. Once again, reminder on the dates. Uh, this is important, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, last day for RSPs is going to be March 1st. Oh, for RSPs, one thing I wanted to just bring up is that if you had SERP payments, a lot of people are getting those SERP payments, and you made over 38000 definitely consider your RSP because they're going to claw back 50 cents in every dollar if yeah, you made over right. 38000 yeah, So, so super you know, important. definitely look at that for sure. Yeah. Um, and then other two dates, last day to file your taxes is April 30th. I think that falls on a Saturday this year. Um and then last day to file your taxes, if you have self-employment income, so if you have a business or something like that, is June 15th. Awesome, guys. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Uh, thanks for listening to Outside the Numbers. We're going to continue to bring uh, exciting guests uh, onto the podcast, so make sure to keep listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.